Welcome to the Outlook Inn and New Leaf Cafe, located in East Sound on Orcas Island. And this place is beautiful. You wake up to the sounds of water lapping the shore from spacious guest rooms to luxurious waterfront suites. All accommodations are complete with modern necessities, luxurious amenities, and coastal flair. And of course, a team that embodies the epitome of island hospitality. Every single word of that copy is accurate. <laughs> we stayed there for this entire Orca Islands Film Festival. And for the first half of our stay, we were in Water's Edge. And these rooms were literally right on the edge of the water. We would just be waking up with the sun and brewing this like complimentary Nespresso cup of coffee and then going out onto the balcony and watching the, the seals literally in the water have breakfast. It was everything. And these rooms were so beautiful. We really didn't want to leave the room at all during our stay. When we were in that room, we're like, we just want to stay here all day. The second half of our stay, though, they put us in the studio suite, which had an unobstructed view of the bay. And it was across the road, kind of higher up on the mountain. So you got a, a wider uh, view of the entire bay. And it was absolutely stunning. Every morning we had breakfast at the New Leaf Cafe. Every morning. We wouldn't want to go anywhere else in town for breakfast. And it was connected right to the lobby of the Outlook Inn. And those eggs, Benedict's, were delicious. Same with the coffee. I mean, it was such a beautiful stay. I, I really honestly, honestly could not recommend visiting the Orcas Island and staying at the Outlook Inn. And of course, eating at the New Leaf Cafe. Every single one of these conversations takes place in the meeting room next to the Water's Edge rooms over at the Outlook Inn. So we're incredibly grateful that we got to stay there. I mean, twist my arm. It was, you know, it was tough, but we made it through. And all of these conversations are also in association, of course, with the Orcas Island Film Festival. So check out Outlook Inn and the New Leaf Cafe today. This is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For this episode, I chat with Emily Atef, and we cover a little bit of everything um, her, about her two films that were at the Orca Islands Film Festival, Someday We'll Tell Each Other Everything, and More Than Ever. In addition to that, we covered a whole myriad of lessons learned from making films, uh, world travels, living in London, moving to L.A., humanity, patience in life, and so much more. So I hope you enjoy this episode with Emily Atef. We're back. I'm Clayton Howe, and today with me on the beautiful Orcas Island at the Orcas Island Film Festival, Emily Atef. Hello. Emily, thank you for joining us today. I, uh, I This is so exciting. I have two films at this festival that, that I want to talk about. You're also this year's honoree, which is very exciting, and congratulations. Thank you. Before we get to any of that, I want to take it back to the beginning of time for you. What were your entertainment dreams growing up? Um, I was always into um, making up and telling stories. I mean, even as, as a child with my, you know, with my toys. So uh, making up stories, uh, trying to convey stories. So um, I actually thought as a, you know, young adult teenager that I wanted to tell stories through acting them out. So I went to drama school and then realized coming out of that and starting to work as an actor um, in the theater mostly, 
realizing that um, it, I w it wasn't fulfilling for me. I needed to be more active and tell the story to myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I switched and that was really the most amazing experience when I, 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 uh, I did this work with colleagues using them, I mean actors, and doing short films, writing them and directing them and then feeling for the first time that something, feeling like a tree trunk for the first time in my life, like really feeling I am, I found hmm. what's my way hmm. and how I'm going to tell these stories. Yeah. Where were you? What was that? It was in London, moment. actually. So I've, I have quite, um, um, I've traveled quite a bit in my youth. My, my mother's French, my father's from Iran. They met in the 60s in West Berlin. Uh, and then my brother was born, I was born. So I was in Berlin for till I was seven. Then we moved to Los Angeles because uh, my father had friends there uh, and he's a builder and they were saying, come, it's the American dream. Yeah, yeah. And uh, at the age of 13, 14, my mother was distraught that we were becoming very American and she was fiercely European, <laughs> fiercely French. So she sent us to France where she had six siblings and so I was there for a while. How long? Well, because I missed her, so she came. Okay. And then she stayed there. And when I got my high school diploma, she went back okay. to my father. So they always were coming. They were a bit in America, a bit in France. Yeah. And that's where I studied then acting in Paris. Mm. And, uh, and never totally in, was happy in that city, funny enough, though it's very beautiful. And I got a job in London in the theater and I and I loved London and this is where I started to because I guess I was frustrated by you know as an actor you always kind of have to wait on getting okay. that job on being taken yes on being chosen yes and during that time I was frustrated because I had so much energy and I wanted to make art but didn't really know how as an actor alone without somebody taking me, you know what sure, I mean? So, sure. And so, um, and then sometimes also acting in plays or in short films or in things like that, I, I was always thinking I do it differently or why is he saying that? And I, mm. ah, if I was, I would do, you know, so it was already a director mind in my head without me knowing. And then mm. I started to write little stories um, and then I used my colleagues to do them. Hey, do you want to come to our, we have like a country house in the, in France. Let's go over there and let's make this film. Huh. I didn't know how to make a film at all. And to be honest, they were pretty crap, <laughs> <laughs> but it didn't matter because, because I was so happy doing them. Right. I was so happy doing them. And then I wrote, then I started to find friends in the business and we started to write bigger stories and then feature films and I really realized this is it. Mm. Uh, sometimes I enjoyed acting but to be honest I think I wasn't extraordinary. I think if you're going to make it as an actor you just have to be extraordinary because mm. it's such huge competition especially for women Yeah, basically uh, because there's more of more women in acting school basically and there's le at that time there was less parts there's still less parts but it's getting better 
because yeah. there's more female directors and writers and producers. Right. So finally, there's different kinds of, there's also different kinds of ages and, and characters and women are allowed to tell more stories. There's allowed to be more perspective on half of humanity, which, uh, which is female. Mm. And so, um, yeah, and uh, now I lost the thread, <laughs> I thought. <laughs> what was the specific switch for you, you know, that defining moment into directing? You know, where you're like, this is, I'm done acting entirely. This was the, or it sounds like it was more gradual though for you, you know, creating yeah, these films. Yeah, it was and, more, it was a little bit more gradual because I wasn't, um, I couldn't earn my living off of directing yet. Yeah. And with um, acting, I was also doing quite a lot of um, uh, voice work and and I could, I could, you know, still make my living. Mm. So it was gradual. But then I realized in London, um, I really, in my, in my body and head, I knew this is what I want to do. I want mm. to direct. And this is a, quite an incredible story that I, I always forget about. I had a, an audition with Peter Greenaway. Now, this, was, this is a quite amazing uh, British filmmaker, mm. especially very, very big in the, in the 80s and 90s. Uh, and... Uh, and it was a film, a very weird film called Eight and a Half Women, and with loads of different kinds of women. And there was one woman that I was gonna, you know, audition for was some kind of an Italian woman who loved to get be pregnant uh, because it made her feel strong, but she didn't care much of the kids. So every time she gave birth, it's an absurd piece. Yeah, every time she gave birth, she just put them on to adoption. And she felt like nothing and very fast tried to get pregnant again. I mean, really. And so I was thinking, and then, so a day before the audition, or two days before the audition, the uh, first, uh, the assistant of Peter Greenaway and the casting director called me up saying, oh, Peter would like to see some kind of, you know, film work of yours, you know, before. And I was just thinking, there is nothing that I did that I'm proud of. It's just short films, weird little pieces, because I was doing more theater. Uh, I think I'm just gonna have to do something. Mm. So with a friend we did, uh, who was kind of a set designer in his place and who had a friend who had a baby, we kind of take, took the baby and we did a one shot mm. of this, yeah, it was like a one taker of this weird kind of couple who just stole a baby and tries to sell it, it's called Buy My Baby. And it's, and it's very, very funny and totally absurd trying to speak, I tried to put a lot of things into it, trying to fake an Italian accent, I tried to put a lot, a baby, fake Italian, and all this. <laughs> anyway, we did it in one shot because we no time to edit it, yeah. stuff like that. It was VHS time, huh? this, is, this was like, when was that, end of the 90s or something. Hmm. So I brought the, the, the VHS to um, the casting, and I did the casting, and. And I was, and I was thinking, oh, I'm kind of embarrassed to give him this, but okay, maybe I should. And now, when I think about it, if ever I did a, you know, I cast a lot, lots of my films. Oh, if ever right. there was a, an actor who says, oh, here by the way, I made a short film about the character that you wrote. I'd be like, the first thing I do is watch it. Of course. Because <laughs> it's like, how weird is that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so, yeah. he. Um, so the next day, I got a call from the assistant saying, 
hi, this is, this is performed pretty great. I'm like, oh, so did I get the part? And he's like, uh, no, no, but Peter loved your film. <laughs> he watched it twice. He really loved it. He's going to send you a letter. And I'm like, okay. And I was a bit disappointed I didn't get the film, but, yeah. I, and then I got another call from the agent, the casting agent saying, hi, Emily. I says, yeah, listen. And I says, so is it about the part? No, 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 not about the part, but Peter loved your <laughs> film. <laughs> and it's a fantastic. And then I got a letter a few days later saying, like it was a very short letter with like 20, 20 adjectives, something like, I thought your film was, you know, audacious, uh, imaginative, totally mad, extreme, hilarious, blah, 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 all this, and continue. And that, you know, and that, and I can't even say that like Peter Greenaway did incredible work, but I can't say he was like the, uh, you know, some kind of big inspiration in my film work, very different, mm. but it totally, it totally um, was like a trampoline. It was, if this guy who's made, I don't know how many films, who is respected, who's, who's very unique, um, tells me that I should continue, then right. I shall continue. Yeah. And it's just, I really, I, I've totally forgot this story for a long time, but it just makes me think how how it is really important to inspire youth. Yeah. And I mean, not just like bland, like telling everybody in the film class, you're all great, you're gonna make it. No, but to, you know, to pick some people out and say, you continue, you continue away, even if it's hard, mm. because it could really change your whole, uh, the you know, the la life trajectory of that person. To be honest, I think I would have found it anyway, mm. but it would have maybe taken longer, you know? Mm -hmm. That gave me a push. Push in that, just push yourself, go there. Yeah, it's the permission, you yeah. know, to have the, just the confidence to do it. It's amazing how much you're capable of if you just have that. That one person that yeah. tells you that, you know, who's themselves somehow made it and you feel this is a professional person who knows what he's talking about. So that was very, very pivotal, actually. I love that. Yeah. I love that story. And you're, you're so, this is what I gathered from all my research prior to our conversation, how worldly you are. You have, and you've said, you've traveled a lot. Yeah. I'm curious what that has done for you personally in terms of understanding humans and the human connection, because yeah. we can even get into, you know, more than ever. And yeah, well, actually, um, it's done a lot a lot a lot also in my work as an artist and as a human it's it's not easy on a kid and on a teenager to every seven years change continent language and total tradition of the country mm. it wasn't you know like when i arrived from berlin to la it was in the valley i was weird for them i was really <laughs> weird my mother loved uh, cutting my hair really short and I had weird round glasses and I rode a boy's bike. I didn't know, we didn't know that there was a difference between boy's bike and girl's bike. And, and so everything, I was so just the perfect kind of person to bully basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was, it was actually a Catholic, the first school was a normal public school 
and they were quite nice and I found a girlfriend and then we moved to another part of, of the city and there my mom put me, my parents put me in a Catholic school um, and they were really mean. And, uh, but then you, you just learn how to adapt. You learn how to, to play the game or not to play the game. And then when I was 13, 14, where I was really adapted, I was thrown out of that and put into the like hick town, country town in the east of France. Horrible for a 13, 14 year old who is starting to, you know, brought up in, you know, in LA, going to concerts, did it, I was really into music, yeah. shaved my head, thought I was, you know, thought I was cool. And I thought these hick, you know, cow shit, on shoes it was horrible <laughs> yeah. I hated the countryside everything I love now yeah. and having to again adapt I spoke f French but because I we always spoke it with my mom and Ger German in, in the family and English but I spoke badly French didn't know how to read and write it um, there I didn't wasn't bullied because people thought it was very cool coming from America yeah yeah and uh, but it <laughs> was it was tough as well and mm. again learning how to adapt always, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, London was much easier. I went alone in my 20s, you know, didn't know anybody, but just after I got a um, theater gig there, I decided to move. And, uh, and somehow it gave me, as an adult, it gave me a lot of, um, a lot of confidence and power to feel that I am, I'd have no, I don't have a nation. I don't have a feeling of patriot, like a, a, like you're a patriot. Mm. I don't have a feeling this is my country. Mm. I I really and it feels kind of cliche, mm. or or trivial. But I do have a feeling my country is 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 the globe. Mm. My father's from Iran. I've never been to Iran, but there was always a lot of Iranians at home. I look Iranian and French. My husband is Polish. You know, we met uh, my first film I did. I made it in Poland and just because I was extremely inspired. The guy who inspired me to also be, that was also in London, um, to be a filmmaker was um, Kislowski. He's an amazing Polish. He died, unfortunately, very young. I mean, very young, like in his 40s. Mm. He did a, an amazing filmmaker from Poland, Krzysztof Kislowski, he did, I guess his most famous piece um, is um, three films, trilogy, uh, blue, white, and um, red, or red, white, and blue, blue with Juliette Binoche, and uh, amazing films. And um, there was, and he did this, this film, ten, 10 short films called the Decalogue about the Ten Commandments, and like 30, 30 to one hour pieces uh, of the commandments and I uh, and I watched them and they totally inspired me somehow I felt though I'd never been to Poland mm. I felt if I ever make a film it'll be my first film will be in Poland very weird and then I made it with my one of my best friends Mairead McKinley that I was in the play that brought me to London she's Irish and I made it with her because the Poles and the Irish, for me, have something very similar there. Underdogs, Ireland has always been like, has always had the, you know, Britain, hmm. 
yeah. on them. And the Poles have always had the big brothers, Russia and Germany, on them, trying to eat them up, mm. treating them badly, mm. basically. And they're both very Catholic uh, mm -hmm. countries, extremely Catholic, big drinkers, big singers, yeah. big family people. And so, yeah, so it's, it's a story about her trying to find the, the father of her unborn child, Molly's way. And that was my first um, feature. And it was interesting because we didn't speak the language. Yeah? And that's where I met my husband, who was doing the, the set design at the time. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> it, it all seems so random, but it's happening exactly as it should. Mm -hmm. You know? <laughs> Everything does, in fact, happen for a reason, whatever you believe in, I think. Yeah. It's very... Once, and once you find that path, once you're in that flow, yeah, it yeah. just kind of things line up. Yeah. And, like, and bringing it to like here and us speaking now and you having two completely different films in the same festival. Uh -huh. I did notice there seems to be a theme between the two, though, of love and yeah. passion. And I'm curious, is that just a coincidence? Or is that a, a personal interest of yours in particular? I mean, all my uh, feature films, because are are dr dramatic, they're dramas mm -hmm. that um, can go very, always female existential films that go very, they go very deeply mm -hmm. far, but they all end with um, hope. Mm -hmm. that, that's something that's just, I'm an, I'm an optimist, you know. Mm -hmm. And funny enough, in TV, I've done a lot of black comedy because I do like that. I did, you know, Killing mm -hmm. Eve, a wonderful mm -hmm. series. And I did a few black comedies, um, uh, influenced also in Germany, uh, one influenced by Fargo. Yeah. Again, yeah. female-led, I made it. Um, and uh, so I, I like both. But these two films someday will tell each other everything that I did last year and more than ever that I did the year prior to that. Mm. Very weird to have two features back to back because usually it takes a long time, but they took more than ever, took me 10 years to make. And then there was COVID, so we couldn't shoot it. So we shot it just, just at like a window where COVID was still kind of, we, everybody was starting to work again, then it got yeah. shut down again and stuff like that. Yeah. So that's why it's like back to back, but that's very rare. That's yes. why it's really cool to have them at this festival together. It seems like, oh yeah, God, she makes a, a she film a year. Sleep. She doesn't sleep, but it's not true. <laughs> they, they took a long time, especially more than ever. A very personal film on the emancipation of them, of somebody who's sick or the dying. And it's about life. It's about that last part of uh, of our life and uh, and the fact that we funny enough nobody ever talks to us about it growing up you know we're talked about oh when you're going to be a teenager things are going to change oh when you're going to be an adult things are going to change oh when you're going to get married you'll see it's going to be the first mm. year tough oh or great oh when you're going to be a mother ooh, everything's going to change but nobody talks to us about oh when you're going to be on that moment of let's say of illness or it's actually the moment where you feel okay this is going to be maybe the, my last moments or mm. my last months or years but nobody t talks to you about that ever mm. as if it's if you don't talk about it, it's not gonna work it's not gonna happen and it does and it does in the western <laughs> world yeah? yeah and i always found it really 
interesting because I always felt the more people talk to me about it, the less I'm afraid of it. Well, and there's something a bit magical about it. We yeah. celebrate birth, yeah, but we don't celebrate death. Yeah. But it's the other side of this whole experience of life. And we're all going to live it. And, and that's what I see is very different to, in the Eastern uh, countries. I mean, especially the Buddhist countries where they celebrate mm. that end of the world because they believe finally <laughs> we're getting out of here, maybe. <laughs> and also, let's try to live the best we can mm. and be the best human we can. So, so in the next life because they believe in the in the life after yeah. maybe we don't even have to come back you yeah. know so they're just hoping for that and it's quite beautiful i find it is and i thank you for talking about it too because so many people just shy away yeah and i think that's so important especially as a director you have to ask the tough questions yeah and i'm curious even through directing these films and everything else you've worked on to date how has directing made you a better communicator? Um, well, I was always quite good at communicating and I was always quite good in asking questions Yeah. because um, I was always very, very curious, even to a point where it's too curious in the sense of prying or really wanting to understand, to get to the bottom of it and then of, of human you know, of the human trajectory that is different to mine, maybe. If somebody has experienced something else, have it be something wonderful or something tragic or something even mundane, it just interests me, mm -hmm. to, especially if they had a very different upbringing to me, how that's different, just to understand. Mm -hmm. I think that's why, that's what, you know, that's why I chose this medium, because through film, through, mm, through, writing a story, first of all, directing it with actors, not using dialogue, just using their talent as, mm. as actors, using sound, using mm. the nature around us, using the image, uh, poetry, using music, all this to try to convey these stories. Most of these stories don't have that much to do with my life, but are things I'm very, very interested in. Mm. Mm. And then they probably do have something to do with my life, but uh, each of them in s some parts, like a lot of my films, the person tr to f is maybe lost at some point and travels to find themselves. Mm. So that has something to do with my life. Yeah. The fact, sometimes in some films they don't travel country, like someday we'll tell each other everything there, she, she mm. just goes to something that's forbidden to an older guy and falls in love with him and has and dares to go somewhere that kind of frightens her yeah. but to find something and more than ever she really physically though she's sick and her husband does not want it she travels through many many countries and goes to Norway uh, to the end of the world Mm. Uh, it's kind of nature, like what we're seeing right now out of this window, like in the Orca Islands, except the, with a lot of water, lots of fjords that are like lakes, but the mountains are like 10, 20 times higher. Yeah. It's incredible, the landscape there, yeah. very existential. And that's where she goes to try to find out why am I so lost and to try to find her way, and she does find it. Mm. Yeah. Mm. 
that's uh, so your question about being a director and has it helped me to to communicate and actually it did in my trade it helped me because what is it to be a director of uh, films it's not like the prize I got yesterday I, I wrote that in a post I did today for that actually you know without the my teams and the actors of those two films what could I have done you know it's not like I'm not a painter I don't have a canvas and it's just me and my paints and the inspiration that the world gives me I have such a group of like an enormous group of people who 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 paint with me mm. and my job is to communicate uh exactly what I want mm -hmm. and uh, as precisely as I can to these people um, to the the camera man or woman to the set designer to the costume to the sound mm. engineer to the sound uh, editor to, to 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 the editor to the actors I, to precise and they and and there's different languages you know they don't yeah. understand all the same so this I have to learn to really exp I have to inspire them mm. so they understand what, the vision I had and then I have to trust that they know their trade much better than I know their trade I could never be a DP a DOP a camera woman mm -hmm. I could never be a costume woman I could never be a, um, a set designer no talent in, in like drawing you know uh, being an architect of that world I could not be a sound engineer I'm, I'm so crap at anything that's technical you know I, so and I couldn't be an actor like they are I was just not, I, I know it, I'm not as talented as the actors that I, that I chose. So they, you know, I have to communicate what I want. I have to inspire them and then I have to let it go, let them propose to me. And of course, if I think it's like, oh no, this is, I didn't communicate properly. This is not, this is not the way, then I have to guide them there. Yeah. And then, or they have to say, oh, Emily, but you know what? This is the way. And they have to convince me. And sometimes they do. And I'm like, oh my God, you're right. Mm -hmm. You're so right. So meaning this is, it is still a total creative project making films. It really is. It mm -hmm. is just not me alone singing a song. Right. <laughs> and then I'm sure in also music, it's a lot of collaboration. But uh, in this art film, this film, it really, really is. Yeah. yeah. Is there a particular film that has taught you the most about yourself? About myself. God, there's so there's so many. There is so many films that move me. Uh, so many filmmakers. But then, I would say then it it uh, because we talked about it. It would be the Decalogue from Kislovsky because. In, the, in those 10 films, hmm. and it's all of humanity, basically. And it's not a religious piece at hmm. all, but it is, 
it's that's so human what he does. I mean, the film, the short film about killing. Mm. It was very, it was like the most successful one of the ten. They were in Cannes. I think it was the end of the eighties. It was the short film about killing and the short film about love. They were the most successful of the ten films. And you follow this killer, and it's so human. Yeah. Uh, this young killer, amazing, amazing actor, Miroslav Baka, who actually afterwards, when I did Molly's Way, I asked him to be in the film. Because in the short film about killing, he kills a, ca a ta cab driver. And in my film, he is a cab driver. Just, and he saves kind of when she's lost, Molly. Yeah. He, sa he kind of saves her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to see him both, yeah. both pieces. Full circle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know you mentioned these films took, you know, upwards of 10 years, you know, yeah. and coming out at the same time. I'm, I'm so curious. How do you find the balance between letting things happen and making things happen? Mm. It's very tough. It's so yeah. tough um, because um, I just love working and I love directing. That's why I don't, all, I don't have to write all my stuff. I mean, my, my uh, feature films till now, I have written them and mostly co-written them because I really love writing, collaborating. Mm -hmm. My TV stuff I've written, I've co-written some of them, but most of them have been the scripts came to me mm -hmm. because it just takes so long mm -hmm. that I, you know, and I just love directing so much, directing the actor and finding that I just, I need to, um, I couldn't just write everything. It would just take too long. And mm -hmm. it just, the great thing with TV is that um, it's just very, you get a one thumbs up or two thumbs up and then you could make the film. You get a green light. Yeah. And with film, you just need so many elements before you could say I got the green light to shoot it yeah. and you have to have so much patience so what you have to do is you have to and that's what I tell my students you need to have a you need to have a lot of projects if you can there not just stick on one um, and again everybody has their way yeah. there could be you know there could be another director telling them exactly the opposite. Yeah. I stuck to one and I never let that one. It took me the, da, 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 and that was right. For me, I work on a lot of different things um, because first of all, um, I, I want things to happen. So they need to, you know, if something falls through and needs another, another writing and then next year we'll try again Maybe something will happen, yeah. and and I do need to survive. Yeah. Uh, and secondly, like for more than ever, I could tell you if you told me in 2010 when I got the idea, oh, you're going to shoot this in 2021, I'd be like, well, then I'm never even going to start. It's ridiculous. Uh, that's just too long. But actually, it made the film so much better mm. because in between, I made like loads of films, yeah. and every time I went back to it with my co-writer and then after a while on my own and then during this process I lost my mother and it totally changed the shape, reshaped the script yeah. and made it better and I had and as I said I became a better yeah. filmmaker of because also I had made many films in between those 10 years and many mistakes 
And so I learned from them. Mm -hmm. And I promise you would have been a very, very different film if I'd made it five years prior to that or, 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 or it just took me two years to, uh, you know, to get the financing. So that's why it's good to also have a few yeah. projects. And you have to be super, you have to have, if you really love something, you just have to trust that and key and be resilient and think it's gonna happen okay wow we didn't get this funding because in europe till now i only did european films because i just moved to the states two months ago mm. and so in europe it's all state or regional funding or european funding between france and germany or mm. something and so there's a huge competition mm. and uh, in america it's more private equity mm. But still, I guess it's the same. So, you know, here, the private equity there, they, you know, they want it. And no, no, they don't like the script. So maybe you have to work on it again. So you just mm -hmm. have to be resilient. Yeah. Yeah. And patient. And super patient. <laughs> and work super hard. Uh, yeah, work <laughs> Just those three things. Yeah. Oh, wait. And fourth thing, you have to be lucky. Yeah. You, you be have lucky. to be lucky. And then I guess at a point say, oh, well, maybe I do have to let it go. This hasn't happened yet hmm. to me. I never, I mean, for my feature things, every one that I really, really, really loved, I did work on some project with a co-writer, and at the end of the day, I didn't feel for it, so we let it go. But every one that I really, really worked on, I've made till now, even hmm. though it took time. So, Do you have any favorite books or most gifted books? Oh my God, there's also so many incredible books. So I really, really, I mean, you know, you just don't, there's so many good books and then there's one that just pops out while you're asking the question. Yeah. So I wouldn't say it's my favorite book forever, but it was, it's the one that pops into my mind. Sure. And I love Just Kids from Patti Smith. Yeah. I love that film. I, I didn't want it to finish. I wanted to read it very slowly. Yeah. Very, very slowly. And this summer, I read the most incredible book, incredible book, uh, an Italian book. And this, this woman who, was an, who uh, was an actress, actually, and then became a writer, also director, she wrote this. It's a huge book. It's like 800 pages. Goliarda Sapienza, The Art of Joy. Oh, my God. He found the book in 90, I think in the beginning of the 2000s, and he brought it out. If he hadn't found the book, her manuscript, it would have never come to us. And it became, uh, yeah, it's like, it's like a Victor Hugo, the, the Miserables in, in, in Italy. It became mm. a huge piece of literature. And she is so... Uh, in front of her time. Mm. I mean, this, the, this woman is, I mean, the woman that she depicts is really somebody who came from an illiterate background and then became basically a, I mean, like an amazing um, intellectual. She became a super, she became like a, a real princess because she married somebody and then she became like, an advocate, a politician. I mean, it's incredible. And she never let herself be put down. Mm. So even the miseries that happened to her, 
it just washed on her and she used it and she did things that are so politically incorrect when you read it you're like you have to reread it the page because you're like she couldn't have done that because she doesn't you know there's like no drama of it she does something that is impossible yeah. impossible and it, she just does it and then she continues in the story you're like did i just read that properly did she i, mean, I don't want to say <laughs> okay i don't okay. want to spoil I say, yeah. did she just are you kidding me she just does it <laughs> no so that really knocked me off my socket really yeah yeah I, metaphorically speaking if you could put a word or a phrase on a billboard for millions of people to see okay. does anything come to mind because we were talking of inspiration because of peter greenaway who inspired me to you know to do something i would have maybe took much longer to do i would say it is great to be inspired but even greater to inspire mm -hmm. and i didn't write that somebody else did mm -hmm. uh and now i forgot who it is but um, and that's in a way it's great because if anybody anybody could inspire, we could inspire anybody, any human being can inspire. We could inspire by a good deed. We can inspire by instead of you know hitting that person or sending a bomb to that per that person's country. Yeah. You could inspire by saying I won't do that. Um, mm -hmm. because you know, or even retaliation, I won't do that. Mm. Or you can inspire by uh, just stopping in this hamster like circle that we're into and just stopping and just looking at what else there, what we're looking at now in the Orca mm. Islands, and um you know, inspire your kid to do the same thing. I mean, we could, you know, anybody could, you don't have to be an artist to inspire somebody to write a beautiful piece of music or a piece of art or something. That's rubbish. You just being a human, you could inspire your fellow human. Mm. And the world would be a better place. It would. If you, every day you say, okay, I'm going to, I mean, I'm saying this, you know, I, I, I don't, I, I have to write it myself. If every day you decide, okay, every day I'm going to inspire somebody it could be a person in the store yeah. or just by uh wow you you um you have a beautiful voice mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you should you know use it more i'm you know sure or anything like yeah yeah That's i love I that say. i love that answer i love this conversation Thank you for taking the time, that Emily. Was lovely. Is there anything else you want to add before we wrap it up today? Uh, no, yeah, I would. I would just love the audience um, to enjoy going back to the movies. Yeah, you know, and I'm saying it. I'm a filmmaker, and I don't go to the. I don't, you know, get off my butt and go to the movies that often. And I do when I'm in a festival like here and, uh, and I see two films a day, three films, and wow, yeah, today, t tonight I'm gonna see a Sudanese film. This morning we saw a Japanese one. Um, yesterday we saw one made by a woman um, in the southern states 
of the United States. Just, we just traveled, my husband, yeah, three totally different places we'd never been to. So, uh, yeah, this is what I, what I just, it's so magical to sit in a theater, the lights dim, and you're with people from the Orca Islands, you don't even know them, crying, laughing together. And so I'm just, um, I'm just hoping that people will start doing that again and once they do it they'll see right away wait a second why don't we do that more often right let's do that once a month right yeah yeah part it's yeah participating in the human experience exactly collectively exactly and one's lazy and, and i tell you every time that you're in there you're like oh so good we did that yeah and you just have to push yourself you know get out of that comfy zone yeah <laughs> i love that and i love this conversation so thank you you're welcome People of the world, Emily Atef. Thank you. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another curiosity conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening. <laughs>